Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. It's Friday the 22nd of September 2023. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be looking at some sad stories about the alarming rise in number of stillbirths in the UK. UK health chiefs are closely monitoring an outbreak of a deadly virus in India. Biohazard tents down in Dover from GB News. Fear Guardian fears over right to protest. And from the Lancet, biodistribution of the mRNA injection and how it uh, affects breastfeeding and such things. A, a uh, study from the Lancet will go through a national inquiry onto what went on in Canada, but it's at the citizen level. That and much, much more coming up on today's show. So let's begin with The Guardian here. Fears over right to protest after woman with sign at climate trial prosecuted. Now, again, I always say it doesn't matter whether I agree or disagree with what they are peacefully protesting about. I will stand up for their right to peacefully protest because otherwise you'll be drawn into a divide and conquer strategy. So you've all got to stand up for each other's rights, whether you want to hear them express those rights or not if they have a right to express them, whether you enjoy hearing them or not. That's my libertarian pro-free speech stance. Liberty warns decision to prosecute Trudy Warner 68 for contempt of court outside protest. Oh, sorry, contempt of court after protest outside London court was concerning. Civil Liberty campaigners have warned that the prosecution of a woman for holding up a placard about the rights of jurors outside a court is part of the government's increasing attacks on the right to protest. Um, so she says you uh, the sign that uh, according to the Guardian is what she's holding up as a picture of it says jurors you have an absolute right to acquit a defendant according to your conscience. I do believe she is correct. I think I've heard that being spoken about in the American courtrooms quite sometimes. I haven't heard it spoken too much in the British, but I think that's the case and it would sound reasonable to me. Certainly, there's nothing on that sign that is... Uh, I mean, we, you could argue she's doing a public service. How many jurors get taught their rights? So you could argue she's doing <laughs> public service or something that they should have been... We should, all should have been taught at school, shouldn't you? Like... She's just, it's like um, its like when you buy uh, an electronic device and it comes with an instruction manual, doesn't it? Not that us blokes ever read them, but going into jury, she's giving you some advice there, like a how-to. So Sam Grant, Advocacy Director of Liberty, called on ministers to reverse restrictions on protest, which are contained in recent legislation. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so all these new laws coming through. Oh, government loves you. Oh, government's got your best interests at heart. Oh, look, we can prosecute an old lady for uh, talking about her legal rights or giving an instruction manual to a jury outside the court now. Aren't you a free democratic society? Let's go and invade more countries because we say that their dictators aren't, you know, decent people running a fair society while we prosecute like this. Sam Grant, Advocacy Director of Liberty, called on ministers to reverse the restrictions on protests which are contained in recent legislation in the Policing Act and Public Order Act and commit to, to protecting the right to protest. So that was what we've read out on this show. We've said Civil Liberty Day campaigners and that ilk were concerned about these new laws. And here we go. So Britain has got what it deserves. We were warned. So that that's the thing, isn't it? Usually good people just don't take an interest in the running of the country. And it takes good people to experience the bad laws for them to go, oh, better do something about this. Being warned that it was going to happen is never enough yet. No, well, it'll never happen. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Oh, what? They're doing what to a 68-year-old lady? She said, what? Right, OK, right, we've got to go and take this serious. I guess it's not a conspiracy theory after all, losing our rights and liberties, is it? 
that this decision is concerning, especially, so this is Grant saying this, this decision is concerning, especially when seen in the wider context of increasing attacks on our right to protest. We all have the right to make our voices heard on issues that matter to us, but this government has continually narrowed our options for standing up for what we believe in. I'd probably say that several governments over the last 50 years, isn't it? From across the parties. As well as limits on how we can protest, we are also seeing the erosion of available defences for protesters, which has led to a situation where juries are the last line of defence for people facing imprisonment for protesting. Oh, no wonder they didn't want her to... That's the last line, that's the last hurdle we've got to get before eroding the civil liberties of Britain. Oh, that woman's telling the juries we shouldn't do it. Great, great, right. Have we got the laws in place to be able to prosecute her now so we can continue down this way? Excellent. Okay, prosecute, prosecute, prosecute. No. The decision to prosecute Warner was made by the Government Solicitor General, Michael Tomlinson KC, a minister and the Conservative MP for Mid-Dorset and North Pool. Uh, so is he all those roles, is he? Uh, it comes as police separately investigate at least 12 people on suspicion of attempting to pervert the course of justice for holding up similar signs outside at London Court. Is it... If she's correct and she's just telling what the law is, then you can't really be done for perverting the course of justice if you're telling people this is how justice should course. <laughs> but there you go. This is an at People can see what's going on. This is an attack on civil liberty and they're using bu bureaucracy to try and nibble here, nibble there. Let's erode a free speech there. Let's erode a civil right and civil liberty there and see what we can get away with. Because what will happen if the this case let's say this is the best case scenario and someone steps in and goes no there's no need to prosecute that lady the people that said she should have prosecuted in the first place they're not going to be facing anything are they they can just go right oh the public stood up for themselves right okay no problem we'll try another one uh, Warner held up a sign of marks outside in a London Crown Court where a climate trial was taking place which read jurors you have the absolute right to acquit a defendant according to your conscience. Um, Warner, yep, she held up a sign early this year spelling out the right of a juror to acquit a defendant on their conscience. She was referring to a famous sign in the Old Bailey celebrating the independence of jurors in the Bushel case of 1670 where a juror refused the judge's direction to find defendants guilty. So she's reading out an old law then that used to be uh, as a sign in the old bailey itself so yeah that gives you an idea of how far the country has gone hasn't it 1670 right jurors we want you to be informed and make the correct decision 2023 jurors <laughs> she said what <laughs> no, it's not funny really it's sad very sad what's happening to britain she was protesting over restrictions on the defendants imposed by the judge which prevented them from mentioning climate change, insulation, fuel poverty or their motivations in their defence. Again, in their defence, shouldn't she should be able to say what they like? You know, whether you, you know, it's up to the jury whether they believe it. But surely that's the whole point of the defence. I'd like to put in my defence this, this and this is why I did it. Well, you can't say that, but it's my defence. Well, you don't have a defence then, do you? But that's not justice. Well, neither is what we're doing to the woman that held up a sign to try and tell the jury to get you out of this. But there you go. Britain will do nothing. And so this is what this is where we are, really. A pack of wolves in Britain that are seeing what they can get away with on all fronts. What will they what will the British people pay for for the energy bills? What will they what rights will they have taken away? How much will they put up with lockdowns? That kind of stuff. That's where we are now. And the more stuff like this comes to light, the more you'll hear of like the stories that we've got coming from Canada later. Um, let's continue. Several people who ignored the judge's restrictions have been jailed for contempt of court. Have I gone too far here? Right. 
No. Several people ignore the judge's restrictions who have been jailed for contempt of court. Amy Pritchard and Giovanna Lewis, who were both jailed for seven weeks after they ignored the judge's ruling not to mention climate change in their address to the jury, are appealing against their conviction for contempt of court. Good for them. I don't... Well, I believe the climate's always changed. I mean, we've had ice ages and things like that, but I'm not a man-made global climate change uh, person, so I'm not on their side um, in terms of what they're standing for. But they've got every right to mention something, surely, in their defence. That's that's really bad. Uh, so they are appealing against their conviction for contempt of court, as they should. I'll keep you posted on that. So I think they're just trying to put the pictures up of the... You know, this is how it sometimes do things, wouldn't it? Get the mainstream media to, oh, these people are protesting ruining the roads and all that kind of stuff and you pile it onto that which yeah i don't you can't be sitting in the roads and that kind of stuff that's a bad idea for everyone but and then you just lump it in with oh yeah they were just holding up a sign saying their legal rights to the jurors and it used to be a sign in the old bailey sort of an instruction manual really but uh <clears throat> yeah we'll just lump it all in say they're all criminals do you see how it kind of works? That's why you've got to be very careful about the divide and conquer strategies. Stand up for the rights of others, even if you don't believe in what they're standing up for. My thing, so the 12 have received letters from Metropolitan Police's Specialist Public Order Unit that state, you have recently been identified as taking part in an incident outside the inner London Crown Court, whereby you were seated outside of the court and held a placard with the words, the right of juries to give their verdict according to their convictions, in a place where both witnesses and jurors attending and attending trials could not avoid seeing them. Okay, the letter went on. This may amount to an offence under the common law of attempting to pervert the court of justice. You see, does it, this amount may amount to an offence under the common law of attempting to pervert the court of justice. Is it the common law or is it the new laws that have been passed? Yeah, I'd have to get a lawyer in here, but to me this sounds wrong but a lawyer may go ah technically you're breaking this particular law here which is meant for this kind of situation on tvs and radio but technically it does account to that thing there so i'd need to get a lawyer to convict this but if that's just you know if she's just holding up a sign that used to be in the old bailey anyway you know did the person that put the sign up there get done under this law in 1670 if not why not should they have done and if they didn't is it because this law didn't exist in 1670 i don't have the answers for you but it's all very concerning um tim crossland a lawyer and one of those being investigated by the met you see again that doesn't sound good does it when you've got uh, this is my defense you can't say that this is my lawyer oh we're going to investigate him too it, these aren't the sort of things that, that you hear from free and fair civilised societies, are they really? It's more associated with banana republics, this sort of behaviour, really. What an embarrassment for Britain if it, if this really, they really have changed the law to not allow this kind of stuff. You know, and it is covered recently in those law changes, is the specific reason why this is happening. What a descent into tyranny is unfolding before our eyes. But again, I'd need a lawyer to go... Actually, Jim, no, they could have got done in 1671, uh, but they didn't, and here's why, you know. But technically, yeah, you're interfering in a court case and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, if that's the case, then really we need to be able to get a law into place to say, uh, actually, I'm all for people handing out lawful accurate instruction manuals now to be a juror as they go into the court to be better jurors and if this saying happens to be part of that that you're you know it's more, more or less saying isn't it you can stay up stick up for your fellow human being against the crushing will of the state if you want if it's in your conscience to do so yeah anyway i'm not a lawyer i don't know enough about this but it sounds very worrying and that's probably why the guardian have written so much about it um yeah, so we shall see. Uh, let's read about the lawyer situation before I move on. Tim Crossland, a lawyer, and one of those being investigated by the Met, said, It's surreal. On the one hand, it's terrifying because 
that is the situation in this country at the moment. And on the other hand, I feel like we are revealing something truthful about the situation. The extreme repression that is happening in this country at the moment in relation to people holding the government to account. And the repression that this is... Yeah, and the repression that this is happening in courts around trials for people exposing the government's lies and how desperate the state is to prevent a jury reaching not verdict, not guilty verdicts in these climate cases. So that's a lawyer's view. Again, I'm not jumping in on the whole climate thing. I'm jumping in on he's got the right to... to well, that's a lawyer's view, and he sounds really concerned. So I would be interested to know if we could get an answer to say... Is this a result of that law that was passed in the last couple of years or not? Right, next one. Biohazards. Oh, this is GB News. Oh, I need to click the old cookies button. So biohazard tents erected in Dover as alert issued on arrival of migrants from France by Mark White. On the 15th of September, the Home Office has confirmed that a biohazard response at Dover at Harbour on Friday afternoon followed reports of some migrants arriving from France and being unwell. GB News filmed as authorities wore specialist biohazard coveralls as the main migrant pro at the main migrant processing facility. A number of blue biohazard tents were also erected near the main gangway where border force vessels disembark those migrants they pick up in the channel. GB News Kent produced a report that around a dozen oh, a dozen personnel wore white coveralls and face masks as they unloaded dozens of people from the border force, catamarans, ranger and volunteer. Right, next up, let's have a listen to the it is Dr John Campbell interviewing this guy and uh, I don't want this to be turning into the you know beyond the news playing the best of John Campbell throughout the week I've played a few clips of him in recent shows but this isn't really him talking this is him bringing on the Canadian guy so I tend to put on John when he's got um, guests recently or reading out scientific papers so tends to just I don't tend to put John on just for his opinions I tend to get him on put him on I should say when he's reading out scientific papers or having a guest on explaining things that are going on in the world like this guy so let's have a listen to uh, some good news from Canada this talk and I'm delighted to welcome Mr Chess Crosby from Newfoundland in Canada Chess welcome and thank you for coming on on the video well I want to thank you uh, Dr Campbell for uh, giving your international uh, viewers and Canadians in particular a chance to get some insight into what's been going on in Canada in terms of the inquiry we've had, which is not a government inquiry. It's purely a citizen-led and citizen-funded inquiry into the government response to COVID-19. And we just released an interim report uh, that uh, I think intrigues you. Yeah, well, in fact, we have that in front of us here, don't we? Um, this national citizens inquiry but but surely it's the job of governments to do inquiries into pandemics and things why why have uh, a group of concerned canadian citizens considered this necessary to take on uh, as a responsibility of their own well john i think you're absolutely right most citizens of any reasonably advanced country democratic country would think that uh, when something very uh, challenging occurs uh, that the governments would want to do a look back into it and learn lessons for the future so they can avoid the same thing happening in the future and so on but in this country Canada we have 11 uh, provinces sorry we have 10 provinces and a federal jurisdiction uh, and some territories none of whom want to do a look back none of whom want to do an official inquiry into uh, what lessons they can learn from the past they don't want to do they don't want to be learning any lessons so a group of citizens got together and we decided that we would have to do it indeed and uh, I think you've released this report as an interim report now um, I assume that this might have something to do with the fact that the Canadian government has basically as I read their guidelines from Health Canada 
uh, recommended the COVID vaccine boosters for everyone over the age of six months in the country. Is that, is that your understanding, Jess? Yes, well, uh, just to take a step back, the commissioners heard from hundreds of witnesses starting in March and finished up in uh, May. Uh, it's a big undertaking to write the uh, report up, uh, but they were very troubled by what they learned along the way about the nature of the approval process uh, and what was approved when the vaccines were placed on the market going back almost three years ago and what has and has not happened with respect to safety and efficacy approval ever since. And they were so disturbed by it they, that they thought they should put out an interim report in advance of Parliament sitting and resuming sitting, the Canadian Parliament, uh, which it is doing this week. And the nature of that report was to bring attention to the fact that when Health Canada, our regulator, approved the COVID-19 vaccines, uh, they did not apply the traditional test for safety and effectiveness or any kind of risk-benefit test, which is an objective one that they normally apply. Uh, and if you pointed that out on social media at the time, you were called a conspiracy theorist in your respective countries. They, uh, they applied no safety tests whatsoever. Now, I want to emphasize this is not uh, an opinion on an issue of whether or not, as a matter of scientific fact, scientific study, uh, the vaccines are safe or not safe or effective or not effective. It's simply the question of what did the regulator approve and what test did they apply? And they did not apply a safety test. Now, the reason why that's important is most Canadians, the vast majority, and in fact, our courts up to a high level are under the misimpression that there was some kind of safety determination made by the regulator charged with protecting our health and safety. But that did not occur, and it still has not occurred, and it has not occurred with respect to the boosters, which are being currently rolled out, including for children. And Canadians need to know that if they're going to give informed consent to getting these vaccines. So the original approval for the vaccine was presumably some sort of an emergency use authorization, similar to my country and the United States. But that hasn't been transformed into a, into a permanent uh, approval process, as would be normal with other vaccines and drugs? Uh, well, you're, you're, you're accurate in that. We didn't have what you call an emergency use authorization process per se. What, uh, what they did in the federal government, the health department under the Trudeau government, is they first of all implemented a interim uh, order order in council and uh, seven months later they replaced that with a regulation and neither of those statutory instruments which anybody can look at for themselves apply or purport to apply any form of test for safety or effectiveness or any kind of risk benefit analysis they uh, the, the, the interim order just basically compelled the minister of health to approve the vaccines and there has been no analysis, no determination made by Health Canada about safety issues ever since. I'm not taking a position here. Uh, let me emphasize on whether or not, in fact, these drugs are safe. It's simply they have never been adjudicated by the regulator to be safe. And it seems that they want to continue on with this kind of approval process which abrogates the traditional objective safety test for all future mRNA products. So it's as if we've got one safety criteria for all the vaccines in Canada, all the drugs in Canada, and a completely separate set of not very transparent criteria, I think it would have to be said, for mRNA vaccines. It just seems a rather anomalous situation, really, doesn't it? Yeah, anomalous would be one way to, to describe it. Uh, the, the alarming thing, though, is they've done that 
but they represent something different on their website because on the Health Canada website even today the words proven safe and effective and of good quality appear and this is not what they have done so the Canadian people and Canadian courts in fact are being misled by this it's probably completely unfair to ask you this question but why is this just incompetence or is there some is this part of a pattern of behavior what, what is going on here uh, well John you know I probably have opinions of my own but I'm gonna let the Canadians and your viewers arrive at their own conclusions about what's motivating this it's it's often difficult to tell the difference between something being a result of incompetence something being the result of intent but at some point the inference becomes pretty strong that there's intent i appreciate that answer you're just giving the facts we don't know the machinations uh, of what's going on really um the in my country we have the what's called the yellow card system for reporting adverse events and there's the vaccine uh, adverse events reporting system in the states um, how, how are adverse reactions of drugs and vaccines reported in Canada? Do you have a similar national system or does it go by province from province to province? Uh, no, there's a similar uh, national system. But one of the things we heard evidence from during the, the months we were hearing from uh, lay people and experts, we heard from a bunch of doctors, a lot of doctors, practitioners in various Canadian provinces. And the system that we have for reporting adverse events from vaccines was very challenging to use, very time consuming. They weren't paid to use it. Uh, so there are a lot of disincentives built into it. But not only that, they were having reports rejected on a regular basis for no good reason that they could see. So the reliability of the whole system is, is extremely dubious. Which, of course, would mean that, if anything, it would be reasonable to assume that the amount of adverse reactions, which we know are occurring to mRNA vaccines, is, is underreported, if anything, in Canada. Vastly underreported, and it may even be worse than in other countries. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So, th 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 this uh, rep report, wh what are you hoping it will achieve, Chess? And how do people get involved in this? Yeah, so, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I may have mentioned, we're uh, completely a volunteer organization. We're also volunteer-funded, citizen-funded. So uh, folks can certainly go to nationalcitizensinquiry.ca, and if you put in commissioner's report, you will see the commissioner's report. You will see, for example, my letter to the prime minister, Mr. Trudeau, in which I condense all this and spell it out, that this is a problem and Canadians are being misled and asking him what's he going to do about it. Now, habitually, officials at every level, including politicians throughout this COVID crisis, um, have responded to inquiries, criticism and the like by ignoring it. So I'm not really expecting an answer. But at least this is now on the record. And it may be that the opposition party here uh, will uh, eventually get around to asking some questions about this. That would be very nice uh, if they would um, put the government on the spot about this issue. There is a misrepresentation apparently on Health Canada's website about the safety status of the vaccines, that they are proven safe and effective. But this did not happen and it still has not happened. And in fact, we have the letter here that's on your website. And, and as you rightly say, it's to uh, Right Honourable Justin Trudeau. Let's hope he uh, responds to this letter. Now, in the, U in the UK, there are certain, well, the, the, there's, you can count probably on the fingers of one hand, MPs who are questioning the, uh, the, the current strategy that we're going down as regards vaccination and COVID. We've interviewed people like Senator Rennick uh, in, uh, in Australia and uh, Senator Babette and other senators that are raising issues. Do, do you have any... These people that are raising issues are somewhat being branded as um, uh, 
uh, as uh, renegades or conspiracy theorists, people that are actually honestly trying to represent their constituents. Um, have you got any people, individuals speaking up in the Canadian uh, gov government about this? Uh, John, perhaps not quite so much as other places, but um, you know there are folks who have been in elected life who are, are obtaining nominations to run in the next general election. Uh, and I might mention that the Conservative Party of Canada, which is the official opposition, and riding high in the polling, uh, seemingly likely to form the next government. Uh, there were two resolutions passed at the policy convention last weekend. One had to do with affirming the right to informed consent and bodily autonomy, which you might not think would be a controversial thing, uh, since it's basic law as established by the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, but in these troubled times, we've seen that you know, things we took for granted have been uh, under attack. Anyway, that was affirmed by the opposition party in its recent policy convention, and as well the right to refuse a vaccine, which uh, is getting a bit more specific, but that was affirmed by uh, two-thirds to one-third. And so, uh, the, you know, if a government is formed by Mr. Poiliev, who's the leader of the opposition, these are things that they must take account of. Mm -hmm. well, what's the kind of philosophy in it? Just a quick thought on there. So it looks like people are gravitating towards the opposition. What happens if the opposition gets in power and goes, oh, you know what I said when I was in the opposition? I've changed my mind now I'm in power. That would be an extra layer of the waking up process. Canada at the moment, are st people still being encouraged to take vaccines? Are they being um, threatened with sanctions if they don't? Does it depend on their employment? Um, are there some jobs still conditional on, on, on vaccination? Uh, I can't st answer for all jobs. Uh, the There's still a lot of uh, what you could call, I guess, uh, no question, discrimination going on. People who are injured by losing their jobs and so forth, their legal actions proceeding, their all manner, uh, you know, those injuries have not been corrected yet. Uh, uh, but uh, as of last year, the federal government withdrew its requirements for being vaccinated to use the airplanes within the country and uh, the, uh, you know, the uh, requirements to be a federal employee had to be vaccinated, those were discontinued or suspended, I should say, because they could be brought back at any time. It's not like COVID is over and done. COVID is still with us, even if the germ now is actually uh, very mild in most cases when people pick it up because of exposure to it already and, uh, and natural immunity and all the rest of it. Uh, but these uh, these regulations and this discrimination and the punishment of people who chose to exercise their right of bodily and autonomy could still always be brought back. So it's very important for us to carry on, get to the truth, and uh, eventually get to the point where some kind of accountability is put in place. Mm -hmm. So given the information on the Health Canada website at the moment, do you feel it is now possible for people to give informed consent to the vaccine based on full and transparent knowledge? Um, no. No, because it's, it's, you know, most people place their, their faith, they place their faith in the idea that the regulator is looking out for their safety and that if a regulator is approving a vaccine, then it's gone through all the required steps to make sure that it's safe for the population to take it. And when it's recommended, you should take this, that a safety calculation and a risk-benefit analysis has been carried out and is favorable. This, in fact, has not happened. So, frankly, by that fact alone, I can't see how, as a common-sense proposition, uh, people are able to take the vaccines on an informed basis. How can there be informed consent when the situation is being mis misrepresented and the regulator has not determined the safety of the products? Mm -hmm. 
Do you feel most people in Canada still trust the regulatory authorities and the government recommendations? Uh, the exact proportions are hard to say, and for some strange reason, there's not much polling on it. Uh, but I'm going to guess that 20%, 30%, maybe even as much as 40% are ranging from plain outright don't trust the government to having significant doubts about trusting the government, and it may even be touching on 50%. So do you think this loss of trust in government in response to vaccines and their response to the COVID pandemic has caused loss of trust in government in general? Uh, if I could just maybe mention in my country, I do feel that this is the situation. Um, I certainly trust governments less than I used to. <laughs> And I think many other people in the UK do. What's the situation like in Canada? Is this a common problem? Well, John, you know, just speaking for myself, I was until recently the leader of the opposition in a Canadian province, Newfoundland and Labrador. So, you know, I went into that trusting that in a democratic, you know, liberal state like Canada, or I thought Canada was, uh, the government had your best interests in heart, even if it was often, you know, inept or incompetent in executing on that. But now I no longer think that. And if I'm no longer thinking that, uh, then I think an awful lot of other people are as well. This is key. Yeah, that's what I found. People that I would consider conservative with a small c, you know, what we, what we call reasonable, completely reasonable people. In, in the UK are now much more suspicious that, that, than they, they were. And that, that is a problem. It's causing um, a, a, a sort of a... It's making the nation somewhat disparate into, into various categories, really. It seems a very unfortunate side effect that the government have uh, apparently squandered a lot of their trust capital as a result of this. Yes, they, they've squandered trust capital. But you know what? I'm not convinced it's a bad thing. Maybe we were too trusting, and now we're on a better state of alert. Yeah, yeah. So all we're asking for is is what's on my poster behind me. Follow the evidence. So to all governments, we would say we're not quite as stupid as we look. Give us the evidence, full, free, transparent evidence, and we will make the appropriate decisions. And where regulators are making decisions on our behalf and they're giving the full information with full transparency, making all potential conflicts of interest potentially obvious or hopefully eliminating uh, conflicts of interest, then actually we're not too unreasonable and we will go along because we do need government. We don't want anarchy. Just give us the information, allow us to be reasonable, allow us to make our own decisions based on the evidence and, and we will follow that. I think I think that will describe the position in the United Kingdom of most reasonable people, and I suspect is that true for Canada as well. Well, John, I endorse what you just said. Uh, I think what most people want is transparency and honesty from government. Even now, if uh, there were admissions made, admissions about mistakes being made, the the public, the electorate, are often very forgiving of mistakes if there's a sincere apology and regret being tendered. But it seems, unfortunately, that many governments, and the one in Canada and the, and the provinces included, just want to double down and triple down and keep, uh, keep down a bad path. And uh, I don't think that's going to end them in a good place. So again, we appeal to governments, can we have confession and repentance where necessary and uh, re-establish trust? Because we're, at the end of the day, we're actually paying these people, aren't we, Jess? At least we are in the UK quite well. I assume the same situation in Canada. We're paying them, but are we getting value for money? And in fact, are we getting their loyalty to us? And of course, we do hope they're not loyal to any other uh, agencies or uh, enterprises other than the people that elected them. So where can people... Uh, Learn more, Chess. Can you send us some links and we'll post those links if people want to get interested, particularly Canadian citizens? Um, there's links you can supply and we'll allow people to get full information and hopefully make free and fully informed uh, 
decisions based on transparent data. Absolutely, and the Canadians who uh, go to these links, uh, John, I'd really encourage them to make contact with uh, their members of parliament, their members of legislatures, to talk to their friends. There are leaflets available to be printed from our website, pass them around in the neighborhood. It's time to cut through this wall of silence, which much of the mainstream press and other outlets have erected and have an honest dialogue about what's gone on in the last three or more years. Yep, I recognise many of the issues that you've raised there, Chess, from my country. The uh, the idea that only one narrative is allowed in the press, the lack of official opposition. We we have a whole department in our parliament called His Majesty's Opposition. Why aren't they opposing the government? You know, wh why is there no honest, real debate about this? It's, um, I, I think you and me speak for a lot of disappointed citizens. Well, John, uh, you know, we have an expression in Canada, maybe you do too, because you're a rail country. The third rail of politics, that's the high energy rail. The one you, When you touch it, you get electrocuted. And a lot of these issues, particularly around vaccines, are still high energy issues that people don't want to touch. But they are getting around to it, and they will be touched. And our motivation is improving human well-being, avoiding pain, suffering and death for the people that we come in contact with uh, every day. And uh, I'm, I'm convinced that's your motivation as well, Jess, and um, let people read this report with, with interest. And of course, we will uh, have you back on in a shot if we do hear from, um, who was it again? Oh, oh, the Right Honourable Justin Trudeau, that, that was it. Yeah, we'll hear back from him. We'll, uh, I'll leave it yeah. there. So so many good points to touch upon and I think it was probably about a year ago I did a whole episode about Wiley Coyote moments and what I meant by that and the process you can really see that in that entire interview where someone who was very involved in your mainstream politics you know he said he was a opposition guy and you know generally involved in politics at you know the normal level the local level that was the impression that I got from that interview and he ha now is at the point of view going from trusting government to thinking perhaps we trusted them too much he's said he used to think they were in a libertarian free society not so much now and he's talking about all these uh, getting involved in high issues and uh, you know what he called emotional issues and that kind of stuff can you see someone like that talking like that before he'd had his experience you could have told him it's going to get this bad it's going to get this bad it's going to get this bad but probably would not have done a great deal just as you and I would not a great job that's not a judgment it often comes when it people experience wow that's really bad I've got to do something now not being warned that bad things are coming it's experiencing bad things that are here and that was a, a traditional you know local politics guy who's now imagine the sorts of people that he's rubbed shoulders with in a citizen's inquiry into vaccines imagine going from someone that sort of trusted the system to no longer trusting the system and if you hear he, he said he's got his own opinions on who he think you know why this is happening and that was an important part as well they were talking about and Dr. John Campbell's uh, input as well was talking about hey we need apologies and things like that uh, you need to admit that you were wrong well that's going to be a part of a waking up process as not only does that apology not come but the people calling for an apology <laughs> probably get censored in some ways or people giving you reasons why they should apologize get censored and called conspiracy theorists so this whole operation is a massive waking up exercise and He's again, it's purely anecdotal with this gentleman, wasn't it? But he said as much as 50% of Canada would now massively distrust the government. So all of this adds to the what I was saying a year ago is that a lot of people are going to who were in that normal phase are going to go exactly the phrase that this gentleman described from is I'm in the mainstream arena. Oh, I thought we were liberal but there seems to be some problems with fascism, with censorship and free speech. Big waking up process. Um, and I thought we were all liberal and live and let live, but 
uh, vaccine mandates then I don't know whether this person who didn't say whether he was like Dr John and trusted the government to begin with to take those vaccines but now he's certainly at a stage where he's going from we need an apology or in fact he's probably kept it quite light on John's interview but it seems like he went through that phase from we're not going to get we need an apology to we're not going to get an apology because I don't think this was incompetence and that was you know he he downplayed that when John spoke to him about it but I think you could if you rewind it (laughs) rewind it press the button so it goes back a little bit you will hear when they talk about his opinions and things and he's not going to he doesn't want to again that's someone who's aware of censorship respecting John not wanting to get strikes on YouTube channel but this is a man can you he doesn't seem like he was particularly um, you know awake to the corruption of government before but now he's in his own words gone from trusting them to thinking I might have trusted them too much and wanting an apology to don't think he's going to get one because there's more going on to it than that and in his own words if he could come to that conclusions I mean, I've never met this guy, but you get the idea. He was pretty mainstream. You'd have to be... Can you imagine someone from your local councillors going down to an issue and talking about this stuff? Oh, what's keen on think? Oh, one citizen could inquire into vaccine. It's not something you generally associate, is it? It's usually the locals go along to get along, that kind of stuff. So that is a big waking up process. And again, his own anecdotal experience of 50% would be great because once you get past that 50% mark you get the the subset group percentiles that are like I would just go along with the crowd so you'll pick a few more up once you hit 51% of yeah I always thought like that but I didn't want to speak out like that you know I'm I'm with you you know so um, very interesting that is pretty much the process I described a year ago that a lot of people would have to go through and it sounds like that gentleman has gone through it. And another, again, that's just my opinion on reaction to that video. I could be wrong. He could have always been a, a massive anti-vaxxer in Canada for all I know. But interesting times, I think. And it would make it difficult if there were 50% that are now massively mistrusted have gone from trusting government to massively mistrusting government, it would make mandatory vaccination, you know, even in terms of uh, jobs and all that kind of stuff, and lockdowns, much, much, much more difficult to enforce, even in countries like Canada. But then again, he could be wrong. He could be overly optimistic. So now to the independent. Alarming rise in number of stillbirths and babies dying in first weeks of life. This is Thursday, September the 14th. Big tragedy to all the uh, parents or would have been parents that are grieving and families. That's a horrible issue. Uh, the figures required a comprehensive response from all levels of government that matched the urgency and scale of the issue, campaigners said. Now, imagine if those campaigners were normal, non-conspiracy types. Imagine if they go through the stage where it's you're not getting an inquiry, and if you keep asking an inquiry, we're going to censor you and cause you grief. How long before those campaigners end up in the conspiracy camp? You know, even through mingling, even from reaching out. If they go, I can't believe government is doing this. It's not. It's only a matter of time before someone says, you want to speak to this person? They did that to them as well. Why did they do that? Oh, oh he's got some interesting opinions. Or she. No, we shall see, won't we? Uh, it's by Storm Newton, Thursday the 14th. So, the number of stillbirths, this is the independent by the way, the number of stillbirths and babies dying in the first few weeks of life has risen in the UK, reversing an eight year long trend of consistent reduction. The Perinatal Mortality Service report from Embrace UK said 698,909 babies were born at 24 weeks or over in the UK from January the 1st. Of December 31st 2021 an increase of 1.5% on 2020 during the period 3.54 per 1000 babies were stillborn up from 3.33 per 1000 births in 2020 
neonatal deaths whose babies, th those babies who die within a month also rose to 1.65 from 1.53. The report said the figures put an end to a consistent reduction in UK rates since 2013. Rates among all gestational age groups with a 12% jump in stillbirths among babies born between 28 and 31 weeks. Babies born before 37 weeks accounted for 7 of stillbirths and late fetal losses as well as 73% of neonatal deaths. So just going to um, listen to that, arg uh, that article from the Daily Mail point of view. Yeah? So again 14th September this is by Emily Craig um, and but the benefit for the Daily Mail is we can scroll down and see the comments see what the British people make of this. So um, it's more or less the same giving out the numbers it says an annual report from researchers at Oxford and Leicester universities sh show that I don't think it mentioned the universities before or perhaps it did and I scrolled through it so um, let's scroll down and we can see what the Daily Mail readers make of this both in terms of their engagement and thoughts so let's have a little look at right best rated I've clicked it and it hasn't moved excellent now it has right. oh here we go right not still more to come all right bear with me because it's still loading constantly as we <sighs> it's one of these isn't it just never ends never ends with the adverts hold oh, on right i'll read it while it's there and it'll move in a second right best rated up three four six down 16 so polarized but not particularly engaged uh right let's see what it says this is from Truro. Stillbirths, infertility, turbo cancers, dying younger all of a sudden. Can't imagine what could be causing it. Yeah, okay. So I think, uh, and then the next one below is up 323, down 17. I wonder how many of the mothers got their COVID jab. All right, show more comments. Uh, up 300, down 18. We all know the cause of these babies' deaths. It seems, though, that the government is both blind and deaf. Jabs are still being pushed on pregnant women. Appalling. Yeah, again, you know, it's that that bit there where they said, if they just reversed it and apologised, people can be very forgiving. But that's not what's happening, is it? So that's going to wake some more people up. Worst rated. Okay. Um, there's been stillbirths and infant deaths for thousands of years. It's nothing new. Okay. That is... Uh, that was up 13 down 130 while that is accurate it's completely missing the point so that's the problem with some people they they think they say something clever but they actually miss the entire point because the whole point of the article says reverses eight-year trend so they're not saying buddy that this is a new thing if they weren't, they wouldn't have said it was reversing an eight-year trend. So, yes, it's been happening all these times, but you've missed the point, buddy, which is the whole point of the article. So there we go. Um, and, yeah, the next one is up 22, down 41. And this is from WEFHQ. So I'm instantly thinking this probably is a, um, what would you call it, satirical post and it says remember folks vaccine saves lives anti-vaxxers kill yeah i honestly think that is a uh, satirical post there so um worrying things no going on to the lancet now so uh i've put the link in there you're gonna have to do some scrolling down and it's all sort of um labelled on the left of what you want to look at. This is a big old study by the looks of it. I am just going to read through the, the the bits at the top that they seem to put in layman's terms before they go into all the really hardcore numbers. So it gives out, this is um, Articles Volume 96, 104, 800, October 2023. Well, we're still in September, so <laughs> make of that what you will. Um, and it's called Biodistribution of mRNA COVID Vaccines in Human Breast Milk. And it's by loads of doctors. Quite a few there. And it's got all their names and who it's by and what they've... And their universities and schools of medicine and all that kind of stuff. So this is a Lancet. So, you know, it's a proper medical journal and all that kind of stuff. 
So summary, background, COVID-19 mRNA vaccines play a vital role in the fight against SARS-CoV-2 infections. You get the feeling they've got to put that in there first, otherwise they know they're not going to get published. However, lactating women have been largely excluded from most vaccine clinical trials. As a result, limited research has been conducted on the systematic distribution of vaccine mRNA during lactation. And whether it's, it is excreted in human breast milk, uh, abbreviated as BM, or here we evaluated if COVID-19 vaccine mRNA is detectable in BM after maternal vaccination and determined its potential translational activity. Methods. We collected BM samples from 13 lactating healthy postpartum women before and after COVID-19 mRNA vaccination. Vaccine mRNA in whole BM and BM extracellular vesicles Vesicles, EVs, was assayed using quantitative droplet digital PCR and its integrity and translational activity were evaluated. Right, I think in layman's terms they got some pregnant women and uh, tested the milk, I think. So, 13 of them. Of 13 lactating women receiving the, co receiving the vaccine, 20 exposures, trace mRNA amounts were detected in 10 exposures up to 45 H post-vaccination. Does H stand for hours? I do not know. The mRNA was concentrated in the BM EVs, however. These EVs neither expressed SARS-CoV-2 spike protein nor induced its expression in the HT29 cell line. Linkage analysis suggests vaccine mRNA integrity was reduced to 12 to 25% in BM. Interpretation. Our findings demonstrate that the COVID vaccine mRNA is not confined to the injection site, but spreads systematically and is packaged into breast milk EVs. However, as only trace quantities are present and a clear translational activity is absent, we believe breastfeeding post-vaccination is safe, especially 48H, I'm assuming that is hours after vaccination. Nevertheless, since the minimum mRNA dose to elicit an immune reaction in infants is under in, in infants under six months is unknown, a dialogue between a breastfeeding mother and her healthcare provider should address the bis benefit risk considerations of breastfeeding in the first two days after maternal vaccination. So it looks very much like they concentrated on just after vaccination and not so much on the long term. Um, so added value of this study. Our findings suggest that COVID-19 vaccine mRNA administered to lactating mothers could spread systematically to breast milk in the first two days after maternal vaccination. However, the mRNA was only occasionally detecting breast Anyway, you can read for yourself. It goes on. It's a whole quite big uh, journal. You can go and crunch all the numbers for yourself, um, that I, which I have not done. Um, this is, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty thorough stuff. So you can go and read that for yourself. Now we're going to listen to a uh, Dutch political commentator, Eva Vladengerbruck, I hope I pronounced that correctly, talking about the WEF and their plans for digital currency. This has a GB News uh, clip on it. So I presume it's from there. And it's from the Beyond the News Telegram group, which is at Beyond the News Gym. Let's have a listen. The digital identity is not just a passport that you will have on, an, on your iPhone in a digital form. It entails just about everything the government would like to know about you. And yesterday in the Dutch media, we saw a perfect example of what it could entail in the near future. We had the CEO of one of the largest Dutch banks say, why don't we start with a personal carbon credit? Oh. A carbon wallet, she called it, actually. Yeah. So right in line with the plans that the World Economic Forum people have for us. And she said it in a way well, that handy. was particularly funny. She said, well, if everyone gets an individual personal carbon credit, why don't we make it so that rich people who, for example, want to go on holiday a little too often, uh -huh. can buy personal carbon credit from other people who, for example, can't afford buying plane tickets or eating meat too often so we can that way swap it out oh so so if if bill gates uh, or leonardo dicaprio's carbon footprint is getting a bit too big uh then some peasant living in his hovel up country somewhere can sell his uh, and he can't afford to go to saint-tropez but he'll be able to sell his carbon allowance 
to Leonardo DiCaprio so Leonardo can park his yacht in Saint-Tropez for a couple of extra days. Exactly right. That's it. So what will happen is the, richer, the rich will get richer, the poor will get poorer, and they're saying it openly as if it's not a controversial yeah. thing at all. Yeah. It's neo-feudalism. That's yeah. what it is. The uitzoldrechten verdelen and that elk household of elke buck... Yeah, I'll give the Dutch version a miss. Yeah, so thanks very much for joining us there. I do believe that was the guy from GB News. Who I thought he got. Um, I thought he left with the whole controversy over vaccines. So I'm going to assume. I, I since I don't watch GB News, uh, I'm going to assume that he's that that clip was taken from before he was fired, which was what, I don't know what six months a year ago, something like that. Or maybe he's reinstated. I don't know. But I'm going to go more with that. That clip's probably six months to a year old, I thought. Anyway, but still relevant. Thanks very much for joining us today. Cheers.